You are listening to the Smoky Acres Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie, and this is the podcast about my imperfect journey to homestead lifestyle and lowering my environmental footprint. All right, well, hey, guys. We are recording the 18th episode now on the 18th, so that worked out pretty nicely. It's also one year out from Kyle and I's wedding, so... That's what I've been thinking about today, just one year out, now it's like I can really make things concrete and seems like we're really in it now. And honestly, everything has just been wedding, wedding, wedding recently. Like you all know, my best friend Katie is getting married and now we're two weeks out from her wedding, so things are getting a little more stressful, a little more exciting, and I'm really looking forward to that day. And then I just have people left and right asking me questions, whether it's my bridesmaids and what they're going to wear, or my mom asking to go wedding dress shopping, or sending me, what about this cutlery for the wedding, and all those different things to start thinking about. We were also, we were up north where the wedding is going to be, and doing some prep work up there this past weekend with my grandpa. We just kind of finalized where everything's going to be. The original spot that we thought we were going to do the ceremony at, we actually decided to move just because things were getting a little bit complicated. We're going to have to put in stairs, there's a hill, if it rains, it might get muddy. And I was like, we're making this way more complicated on ourselves than we need it to be. Let's just pick this spot where it's flat and open and there's room for everyone and we don't have to make it super complicated. So we decided that and other things like we wanted to make some benches for around the fire and there's this huge ash tree that had fallen. So Kyle and my grandpa got that all cut up, which I mean, it was leaning too. So it was kind of a complicated task. They were like a couple of natural lumberjacks though and got that all good to go. So, and cut a bunch of firewood that can season for next year as well. So just got some things done around there and it like feels a little more real now. And even tonight, I'm recording this quickly before Kyle gets home in about an hour and then we're going to go sit on the bent paddle patio with one of our friends. Well, I don't know her super well. When I've met her, she's always been super nice, but Kyle actually went to college with her. And we're going to go meet her tonight about talking to talk to her about playing some live music at our wedding, which is kind of exciting. I didn't, we both love the idea of having some live music, but didn't really think of it as an option just because we are going to be three hours up north from Duluth and and then trying to get that all set up and situated but she plays guitar and she's a great performer so we're gonna go talk to her about some details about maybe getting her to come up and play at our wedding so lots of different details happening and it's a little overwhelming we also have so many other things going on that it's hard, I have to like pay attention to my stress levels and really dig out some of those stress management and anxiety management techniques and skills that I have to make sure that I am not getting overwhelmed. 
because when I do, then I, like, you can tell my personality is just totally different, but it's getting cold around here. Just this morning, Kyle's been getting up pretty early, and just this morning, it was 28 degrees when he got up at, like, 6 a.m. or something like that. So, it's starting to get really cold. We have a lot of prep work to do for winter. Uh, I still have apples on my tree. I started picking apples, and... I have a couple bushels of apples and I'm not even halfway done picking these apples off my tree. Which I was like a little worried at first because squirrels have been eating them, the blue jays have been coming by and knocking them down, my chickens have been running away with them when they fall off the tree, we've had deer in our yard, I don't know if anyone saw the couple of videos we posted on Instagram, but we had a couple deer in our yard and they've been here almost every night trying to eat all like the low-hanging apples. You know the ones that are easy for me to pick too. <laughs> but yeah, so they've been here and I was a little worried. I was like, oh dang, we're losing all our apples. Well, I don't think we are very worried about not having enough apples because there certainly is still a lot. You don't really realize it too until you're picking them and you're filling up one box and then you're filling up another box and then you go grab a couple five gallon buckets and you fill up both of those and then you stand back and look at the tree and you're like oh my gosh <laughs> so we have a lot of apples but next Saturday we're having an apple day having some friends over and just they're gonna help us I rented an apple press through the Duluth Community Garden program so we're gonna make some apple cider get their help get all these apples cut up and kind of make a day of it it's work but it'll be nice to have some extra hands so we can get it done quickly and then also just like good to see people we don't see that many people anymore with COVID stuff going on so good to see people and have a couple apple cider drinks and I'm gonna make a big pot of chili. So yeah, that hap is happening next week so we'll wrap that up. Plus we have that maple shed we have to finish building and the garden is pretty much done. Like we've had a few freezing nights now so it's pretty much done. I have a couple tomatoes that are still persisting on which is kind of amazing. And then I have a couple pumpkins that are still out there still. I'm hoping that they just turn orange before we have snow and because snow might be coming sooner than I am expecting it to be. But yeah, lots of prep work. We have a guy coming to deliver a lot. I don't even know how much firewood. A lot of firewood so that we can season that for next year. We have someone coming out to check the spot where we're getting a wood stove in our living room plus we're getting a new like kitchen stove which I've talked about and that's on the 29th so lots and lots of things happening as well as wedding my own and my friends and so it's a bit overwhelming and I don't know maybe I'm talking I feel like I'm talking really fast right now and that's probably just like anxiety fueled speaking but I do have to just like take a step back and like take a deep breath and whatever I get done is great and whatever I don't get done it won't be the end of the world either. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely have noticed some high stress levels and I still, I don't know if I've talked about like the issues I've had with my back recently but 
been about two weeks now since I've been to the chiropractor and this like uncomfortable soreness is slowly starting to build up into pain and I've had a pounding headache all day long. So I just need to maybe take a self-care moment, go to the chiropractor, maybe meditate a little bit, just take a moment for myself. But I've had a couple days off of caribou, so I'm able to like have some time to get some things done. But I've also been at the tattoo shop, got my little station. I don't actually have my own station. I have a little corner of Kyle's station, but got that all set up, did some more practicing stuff. Of course, like mop the floors, the usual. Yeah, lots of things going on. What else? We also have, oh, we're butchering the roosters tomorrow, which is not a task either of us have been looking forward to. It's gonna be a lot of work. Like, a lot. I don't even know how many roosters we have, honestly. There's a lot, though, and we don't have any of the, like, machinery for it, so... I mean, we do have, we're going to use a kill cone and a couple things, but we'll mostly have to just hand pluck all the feathers, so that's going to be really time consuming, really tedious, and that's what next week's episode is going to be on, just kind of talking about the process, but not really so much the process as like the emotional aspect of it, why we're deciding to do this, what the benefits are to it. And trying to overcome the, like, difficult emotional aspect of killing something you've raised from an actual egg. So, that will be next week's episode. And even if you are not for the killing of animals, maybe you're a vegetarian, maybe you think it's wrong that we're going to be butchering chickens... I do encourage you to listen to the episode as well, just because I'll kind of talk through my rationale of it all. Maybe it'll give you a better understanding. Maybe it'll just reinforce your opinion on it already. But I think it would be useful to just hear me talk about it a little bit and just where we are coming from. Because neither of us get excited about having to kill our chickens, but it's something that needs to be done. And there's a lot of benefits to it as well. So, you want to hear more about that, you can tune in next Monday. (sighs) What else is going on? Oh, and tomorrow is also the start of bow season. So, like I had said, Kyle's been getting up earlier this week. I think more just in preparation so that waking up early tomorrow morning isn't as difficult. He does the city bow hunt and that season starts tomorrow, so it's longer and starts earlier than gun hunting season and that he can just do right here on our property. He also is in, he's like in a certain zone and he can hunt on the state land in that zone within the city, but he can also just hunt on our property, which is super convenient because his stand is like not super far away from our house. So he doesn't have to get up hours before he needs to go up there, go out there. He can get up like 20 minutes throw on his clothes and make a cup of coffee and then just walk out to his stand and then he can easily just walk on back when he 
it is coming back for lunch and then go back out in the evening. It's just, it's nice that he doesn't have to, like, gun hunting season, we either have to go up north to my grandpa's cabin or we go to his family's cabin in Wisconsin and then you're having to like take the weekend off maybe you're taking a couple days off of work you're having to spend the weekend away from home versus like this he's at home still so he can still do all the hunting that he needs to do but then we're also gonna try to fit in butchering day this or it'll probably be a two-day thing, but, like, butchering days within the first weekend of hunting season. So, hopefully that all works out. We're maybe making too many plans for one weekend, but it's what we have to work with. So, that is that weekend. And I think, too, we had talked about him getting on here and talking about bow hunting season and the city hunt a little bit more. I know that, I don't know if for the homesteading community, hunting is a big topic that is discussed as much, but it's something that we find important, and he passionate about being a conservationist kind of hunter, which might sound like they those things don't go together like how are you a conservationist or an environmentalist and then also a hunter and if you don't listen to podcasts like the meat eater podcast or anything like that then you might not get it as much or if you're not part of a hunting community hunters tend to get a bad rep a lot of times and Kyle's pretty passionate about like fixing or changing people's perspectives on what hunting could be, what hunting is, and what hunting should be, and how the majority of hunters do practice ethical hunting, and there is a purpose for it. So, maybe I'll get him on here. Hopefully, he'll get a deer, and then we can get him on here talking about that, and the whole processing of it, and everything, too. So, Maybe you can keep your ears open for an episode about that coming up here. But yeah, lots going on. I'm sorry, I packed that into like 15 minutes here. Your brains are probably spinning. I know mine is. (laughs) And the real topic for today's episode is actually going to be about making jam which last weekend we talked about different food preservation methods, and this is just kind of an offshoot of that. Um, It's a very easy thing to do, and so I just wanted to dive into that a little bit. Plus, I made some jam this week, so it just got me thinking about it a little bit. So let's dive into that. So jam making has been around for centuries. People have been doing it for a very long time, using my very basic skills of googling the history of jam making. I found that the first records of preserving fruits was done by Greeks and they used honey to preserve quince fruit, which I had never heard of a quince before. Apparently 
It's very similar to a pear. Kind of looks like a pear, like a cross between like a pear and an apple or like almost lemon-like. But apparently it's very similar to a pear and they used to cut them up or mash them or slice them, coat them in honey and preserve them that way. Um, so that's pretty interesting. And then it back to the 16th century, sugar was brought over to Europe from the New World and that's where the term fruit preserves came from, which like you hear people call it that, it can be called jam. Well, jam and jelly are pretty, they're similar, but also different. Same family as preserves. Basically, it was just a way to make your fruit last longer, whether that was berries or other fruit. Just preserve them so that they last for longer, because those seasons can be kind of short, depending on where you are at. Like I said, the earliest ways of preserving them, before there ever was sugar brought over, they coated things in honey. Typically it was fruit pulp, so they would turn whatever the fruit was into pulp, coat it in honey, and then lay it out in the sun to dry. As well as honey, they would use molasses or maple sugar as well which really interests me as well because we have maple sugar if you've listened to our maple syruping episodes. So we have maple sugar and to try to use that in my fruit preserving, that'd be, that really interests me. Um, we don't really have the ability or I'm not aware of how to sun dry things here in Minnesota just because it is so humid and we don't have that many hot, warm days, you could probably make some sort of contraption that is airtight to keep out humidity and, like, put it somewhere that gets direct sunlight. So you can make, probably make some sort of contraption, but you can just, like, lay it out on some stone and let the sun dry it like you can in some other places. How I'm picturing the Greeks doing it, you know, like, laying out there quince fruit and coated in honey and just letting the sun bake it or how they used to like and how some places still make raisins by just like laying them out in between the rows of grapes that's how I'm picturing it and I cannot picture that happening here at my house in Minnesota so but yeah that's a little history of fruit preserving for you when I was because I was just interested I'm like where did jam making come from? Like, how long has it been around? I know generations and generations of my family have been making fruit and, or have been making jams and jellies. My grandpa makes a, has been making a raspberry jam for years, like, ever since I can remember. My mom growing up would buy, like, a bushel of strawberries and make strawberry freezer jam. That was always a fun day. I know that like my great grandma made jam and my grandpa and his girlfriend Cheryl, they started making wild plum jam, which is something that I tried for the first time this year as well. Yeah, so my family has been making jam for generations and I've never really stopped to think about like, where did it come from? I kind of just assume it's just something you do, you know? The nice thing about jam making when it comes to, like, let's say you're going to can your jam, 
it's easy as far as like any other canning process, any other food preservation. Making jam is not difficult. You need your fruit, your sugar, a little bit of water, sometimes you need pectin, and your acid, usually lemon juice. Very basic ingredients. It's actually quite difficult to mess up because even if you're a little off on one of those things, it's not the end of the world. I would say the acid is pretty important when it comes to canning because that's going to help preserve it long term from spoiling in your jars. As well as, depending on what the fruit is, you want the sugar to sweeten it as well as preserve it. You don't always need pectin, but the pectin can play an important role in just getting that like gel texture. It helps it gel up. So, but like if you're slightly off in any of those things, it usually doesn't mean that your product's going to be bad at the end of it. I mean, it's fruit and sugar and a little bit of lemon juice. It's going to taste good pretty much no matter what. It's more of the part you have to worry about of like preserving it long term. It's difficult to mess up. Doesn't take a lot of time either. It Making jam, you throw basically everything on the stove. You cook it down. You add all your things. It doesn't take fruit. takes very little time to cook down and then you either throw it in your freezer containers or you throw it in your jars and you can't do like a little water bath and can them real quick so it's easily something like even if you have like a whole bushel of strawberries or you have like a whole bushel of blueberries it's something that you can easily do in one day it's not gonna take tons and tons of time like I feel like processing my tomatoes is time consuming. There's like a lot of different steps. It's still not super difficult, but some part of it just seems slightly more time consuming than making jam. Jam, I don't really have to think about that much. But yeah, so you have your main ingredients. Pectin, like I said, you don't always need because what pectin is actually the fiber from the cells, cell walls of whatever plant or fruit that it is. Some fruits have enough naturally occurring pectin in their skins that you don't need to add more pectin to them. Now, if you're doing a jelly, you're taking out that fruit pulp, you're taking out the skins and seeds and all of that you just have the juices so you don't have that pectin in the skins but if you are doing a jam and you're leaving the pulp or you're leaving the skins or the seeds or whatever it is there's going to be naturally occurring pectin and there are some that don't always need it the ones that you don't need to add extra pectin are Plums, currants, June berries, tart apples, cranberries, gooseberries, and Concord grapes. Now, I didn't know that June berries, I didn't need to add a whole lot of extra pectin, and I was basing my recipe off of a blueberry recipe when I made June berry jam. So I added the amount of pectin I would need for blueberry jam because they are very similar. And 
my Juneberry jam got very thick. Like, it was a very thick jam. So, I think that there was just a little too much pectin in it. And like I said, that's like, my recipe wasn't perfect. Um, and I didn't, can't, like, seal my jars. I didn't, I put them in jars, but I just put them in the refrigerator because I only had two jars. So, I wasn't trying to, like, preserve them super long term. They, even though they were thicker and my recipe wasn't perfect, it still tasted really good. It was still good on toast. Um, I even put some in some ice cream because that's something I love to do is put different homemade jams and stuff in ice cream. Like my grandpa's raspberry jam in some vanilla ice cream is seriously one of the best things ever. Fruits that you do need pectin for are peaches, raspberries, blueberries, cherries, rhubarb, and apricots. They do need pectin, otherwise you're not going to get a proper result. You also need sugar. Sugar is not only going to sweeten up your fruit, like the wild plum jam that I made, the plums are so tart and sour that that sugar is necessary for making a sweeter jam, which we typically want. But even with the sugar, my plum jam is still tart in flavor, but I like it that way. I am a person where I really like tart fruits and I love things that are a little bit sour, so it does not bother me. And even Kyle, who doesn't like tart things as much as me, still really liked the plum jam. Or he's just being nice. I can never tell with that one. He's always so encouraging of everything that I make because I'm hypercritical of myself my plum jam, I don't think I, I don't know if I didn't cook it down long enough or what, but it's, a, it didn't set as well as I wanted it to. It's a little watery, still jam, still good, but it's just like a little too watery for my liking. So like, I'll keep it for myself and enjoy it, but I wouldn't give it as a gift because it's not like perfect. <laughs> and I was like, it's fine. It tastes good. And I'm just like so hypercritical. Or I made an apple crisp for our friend Jeremy hosts a barbecue. And I made an apple crisp for that barbecue. And it was with my apples from last year. And I was a little afraid because they were in the freezer. I was a little afraid they taste a little freezer burnt. And then I didn't have any oatmeal. So I couldn't make like my typical crumble topping for it and then I ran out of cinnamon <laughs> and what else oh a granola and I like sorted all the like crunchy granola oatmeal bits out of there and like took out the fruit and almonds and I used that as a topping I didn't have any stick butter to like make it crumble nicely so I had to try it was a mess I it didn't look terrible, but I was pretty embarrassed to bring it. I got like pretty decent reviews. Kyle said it was really, I was just like, I cannot believe I am serving this to people right now. It's a mess. But then and then I think he just is extra supportive of the things that I make because he knows how critical I am of myself when it comes to making things. So I always appreciate that. Okay, where was I? 
my laptop just decided to stop recording because my disc was full. I like have this issue which I think I finally turned it off but it keeps turning itself back on somehow and download automatically downloading podcasts when new ones come out. I'm subscri- subscribed to so many different podcasts and it's automatically downloading all their episodes and then it takes up all my storage space on my laptop and it's so annoying. It's like every couple of months I have to go through and try to delete all of them and everything and I keep turning it off like I keep thinking that I'm turning off the automatic download button but it keeps doing it so that is pretty annoying anyways where was I (laughs) well let's just dive into some of the simple like differences or benefits of making your own jam versus buying jam First off, if you are like Kyle and I, you really don't use that much jam in your house. And so you can easily make your year supply of jam even more than that in like a day, depending on how much fruit you either buy or grow or pick randomly. Whether, no matter where you're getting your fruit from, it you can easily make, or we can easily make, our year's worth of jam, plus have some to give away, because we really don't go through that much. Store-bought jams are going to have artificial flavors, artificial dyes, artificial preservatives, none of that stuff that you want in your body or to give to your children. With When it comes to artificial flavors and artificial dyes, it's unknown, really, like the kind of effects that they can have on us. There isn't enough studies looking into them. They haven't been around long enough, really, to like have a good overall study of the population. In a lot of countries, they're banned and they're only legal in the United States. So that like raises a red flag right there. And then a lot of people tend to have allergies to specific artificial dyes. So that is one thing to think about too, is just trying to cut out some of those things in your diet. And maybe you don't care all that much. You're like, I'm going to be consuming these things anyways. They're in everything. But you can at least try to like the lower or try to lower the amount of exposure you have to those things. Um, So that's one aspect. When you're making your jam at home, it's not going to have any of those artificial preservative preservatives, flavors, or dyes. Um, Also, high fructose corn syrup. Your at-home homemade jams aren't going to have that. Um, I know a lot of different jam companies that you can buy at the store are also getting rid of the high fructose corn syrup, but a lot of them still have it, and a lot of them have things that are very similar to that product. Just name something slightly different so that they can say that there's no high fructose corn syrup they can still sell you basically the same exact product. So just paying attention to those labels or making your own jam so you don't have to pay attention to those labels. For me, that's an easier alternative. Like I said, making jam at home isn't a difficult task. You don't have to have property and have wild plums growing on your property or grow raspberries or 
go out and find blueberries. There's plenty of farms that will come and let you pick raspberries or blueberries or strawberries. There's plenty of farmers that are on the corners in different neighborhoods selling produce. Last year I bought a whole, I think I actually have a half bushel of peaches and I made a bunch of peach preserves and they're super delicious and I also made a peach pie too. And then I know that it's a good product. Obviously he did not grow those peaches here in Minnesota, but he had, we asked him about where he got them from and I can't really remember, it was over a year ago. But anyways, getting like a more local product or he was also selling, I think bushels of strawberries or something too and those were grown locally. Or if you go to the farmer's market, you can usually find some sort of berries or fruit or something like that to make your own jams or jellies. So you don't necessarily need to be growing these products yourself, but you still know that you're having a higher quality product without all those additives. And then it's easy to make. All you have to do is get the product and then you make jam in one day and then you can have your whole year's worth of jam. It's, and it's not difficult. It's also cost effective. You're going to be saving money in the long run. And it doesn't require a lot of equipment. If you're going to be canning, you do need all the th equipment for canning. But there's also the option of making freezer jam, which requires even less cooking and has a fresher taste. And then you just need freezer space. So doesn't require a whole lot of equipment. Like I said, no added preservatives, just the sugar and a little bit of pectin if you need it. And if you are growing fruit, it's a great way of preserving your fruit because you can also like dry your fruit or freeze your fruit, but just to have one other alternative so that you can kind of switch it up a little bit or get the most out of one thing that you're growing, jam is a great alternative. And like I said, you can either can it or you can freeze it. Um, yeah, and it's just, I think it's something super easy no matter if you are living in the country, in a little like backyard farm area like we're doing close to the city, or you're in an apartment in the city. It's something that everyone can do. I know that there is a jar shortage right now, so it might be a little bit difficult getting your jars, but we're towards the end of berry season here. You can definitely still find them around, maybe get the last little pick of someone's berries and make your own jam to have for the rest of the year because how good would that jam be when you're in the middle of January, February and you can pull out that jar of jam from your cupboard or your freezer and have some fresh jam on some toast makes you think of summer and fall a little bit more. And then when it comes to jam versus jelly, I'm really not going to get into it that much. The differences aren't huge. I personally just like jam a little bit more. I like having the seeds from the raspberries in there or the skins or the pulp in my jam versus a jelly. And there is a little bit more antioxidants and fiber in jams as well. But really, whatever floats your boat. But anyways, I think that's really all I have to talk about jam. Surprisingly, there isn't an hour's worth of information when you're talking about jam. Who would have thought? <laughs> but yeah, next week, like I said, I will be talking about 
our butcher day. When it comes to the chickens, it's going to be a little bit of a tough topic to talk about. Um, I hope that you take a listen to that and keep an open mind. And then the following week, I already have that one planned out because we are having our apple day. So I'll talk about processing our apples a little bit more, which I know I've been teasing that episode for a couple episodes now, but that will finally be coming out in two weeks. And then, like I also mentioned, I will be having Kyle on here to talk about bow hunting and we still have to re-record that episode on some of our project updates. So, lots in store for you guys. I hope that you are embracing the fall weather that we are having. It's one of my favorite seasons. We're finally starting to get some fall colors on the trees. Our maple trees are starting to turn and Kyle went and bought some pumpkins and gourds and stuff so I can decorate our house a little bit. I brought out all my fall decor and I'm just loving it. It's one of my favorite seasons to get in a cozy sweater and have an apple cider. And So I hope you all enjoy it as much as I do and enjoy the last little bit of somewhat warm weather before the snow gets here because I think it's going to come in pretty fast. All right, well, have a lovely rest of your evening. I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.